So boys, since we last spoke, which feels like quite a while away now, mm. we've all been <laughs> uh, absolutely snowed under over the last month or so with uh, all of the various iPhone events and Apple events and Federico finally got his iOS review out. Congratulations, Federico. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but since we last spoke, we basically have learned pretty much everything that we're going to learn about what Microsoft and Sony are doing for the new console generation. Now, for the sake of completeness on the show, I wanted to give a kind of a high-level overview of where things are and what we know, mm-hmm. right? Just like, you know, thinking about the historical record of remaster, I think it is of great importance that we just make sure that we're, we're completely all on the same page uh, as to what's been announced. So... We have the existence of the Series S and details of the digital PlayStation 5. They're kind of like the, the biggest things that happened, right? So it's in knowing that Microsoft are taking a two-console approach and Sony are taking a kind of one-and-a-half-console approach, of, of effectively a console without the disk drive. We right. have pricing and release. So the PlayStation 5 comes out uh, between November 12th and 19th. So it's 12th in the US and I think Japan, the 19th and a lot of Europe. Um, digital edition, $399. Um, disc edition, $499. Xbox has the Series X, which comes out on November 10th for $499. The Series S, also on November 10th for $249. Pre-orders went, seems like a bit of a nightmare for everyone, especially for Sony. Um what do you think about the pre-ordering, Shahid, about how that whole thing went down? Well, it needs fixing. And I think it's very difficult to blame Sony and Microsoft for the situation entirely. I mean, yes, there are other companies that handle it better. And presumably, if they had enough machines available for pre-order, then they wouldn't have run out. But... There is a lot of profiteering going on. And much as I love Amazon and give them pretty much all the money I ever make, um, there are a lot of people making a lot of money off buying and then selling consoles on Amazon. And there are better ways of handling this. And I I just don't get how in the modern age, when pretty much everything is available online, there has to be a first-come, first-served system. It doesn't make sense. I mean, where are you queuing exactly? You know, there is no queue. There's just a sudden opening, and then in go all of the the profiteers, mm. and the fans are left enraged, and and there's nothing. I mean, there was a situation not that long ago. I'll steer the conversation very briefly away from Sony and Microsoft here. I wanted to buy a second Switch, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. And I'm sure you can get them, but people were free to sell them on Amazon. So clearly people have got stock of it, but it's those people who have snapped them up only to make a lot of profit off them. But, you know, I I, I was not prepared to pay £400 for a Switch. So I ended up buying a Lite, as you know, which yeah. was a complete waste. <laughs> I should have, should have just waited it out. But there are a lot of fans who have got money to spend who buy these things day one, here we are in the midst of, as everyone knows, probably the um, most disruptive event, not just an event now, because it's going on so long, isn't it? 
period. This disruptive period since the Second World War. Yeah. In human history, anyway. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of people who've got time on their hands, a lot more time than they used to have. And at the moment, they're still getting paid, by and large. Not everyone, people have lost their jobs, but there are a lot of people still getting paid. Who would like to buy anything fresh they distractions. want? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're coming up to holiday season. There are a ton of other things you could buy, right? So I'm coming up to holiday season. And get this I couldn't get either of those on pre order. Right. And I was going to pre order both. Guess what I have got waiting? It's going to be here next, next week. A 4K OLED telly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna... next for me is to upgrade my television. I, I don't know. I keep dragging my feet on it because I know the exact TV that I want, but it's just yeah. such a thing to have to deal with. But I need to do it sometime within the next three weeks because, well, spoilers, I have a PlayStation 5 and Xbox on the way. Uh, we'll talk about that later. So I want to have a new television, like a good 4K HDR television. My TV is like five, six years old now, um, and it's not as good as I could be. It doesn't have HDMI 2.1, for example, which is uh, seems to be quite an important thing for these new consoles. So I'll say on the pre-ordering, right? I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, I think the frenzy helps a little bit. Um, for for both PlayStation and Microsoft, uh, because the, you know people buying in such a frenzy does seem to indicate that there is a desire for these consoles, which I think only continues to increase people's desire to want to buy them. You know, like if you find that they're in stock, you're like, oh well, I guess I guess I better get one now then. Um, Sony seemed to have a bit of a worse strategy in that I don't know if this was something that they wanted or if it seemed to just happen but there wasn't a clear time as to when the pre-orders were actually going to be available. And Microsoft, as they've been, you know, Microsoft's marketing has been very good um, throughout this whole process and they were making fun of Sony, uh, but they didn't really seem to have a great system in place either, even though they had a time that they all went on sale. It's, I think it's very clear, abundantly clear, that neither company has enough consoles to meet demand. Um, who knows if they had enough to meet what would have been the typical demand for a holiday season. Um, and as you say, rightly point out, Shahid, there's maybe an increased demand right now that they have not been able to meet, plus a uh, prevalence in this type of stuff now for bots, right? So we saw it with, I mean, it happens in all industries, but the or if you're trying to buy one of the NVIDIA graphics cards right now, it's almost impossible um, for what you were saying, that people have bots that buy them and then they resell them at higher prices to people that want them or people that have too much money burning holes in their pockets. So this is something that online retail needs to deal with, um, but this, that's maybe a story for another time. Yeah, I mean, it's basically arbitrage, right? Yeah, yeah. There has to be there has to be something. So like my pre-order experience was kind of hilarious. Uh, I think you'll like this actually. So I pre-ordered with a company called Curry's here in the UK. Um, and I couldn't get the PlayStation 5 that I wanted. Um, I wanted the digital edition, but I couldn't get that one. Uh, I think Sony made significantly less of them. Uh, so I ended up getting the regular one because I care more about having it. It's going to be hidden because, bless you, Sony, but that I'm not building my living room around your console. Um, I'm going to put it... My plan at the moment is to hide it behind the TV, but we'll see if that actually works or not. Um, 
the so I I put my pre-order down with Kari's. You get to five pounds to reserve your pre-order, right? And they were like, "We'll contact you, kind of a month before release or a couple of weeks before release to to finalize the payment." And then they sent me an email yesterday, uh, and what I realized is Kari's are not set out for this process because what they did was they said, "Okay, here are the steps. We have now put the PlayStation Five live on our website." for £2,499. Here is a code that you would need to enter at checkout to save £2,000 on the price. So you see what they did? Hmm. They yeah. didn't really have a system to deal with the pre-ordering. So what they did was they just put all their stock live for a price that nobody's going to pay and gave everyone that pre-ordered a discount code. So like... It isn't really, I don't know how well this worked for them. I mean, I put my money down. I assume I'm getting one uh, on or around launch day, but it very much seemed like th they were just trying to do the best they could with the system that they had, which clearly did not allow for this kind of thing to work. So who knows? I have a pre order in place, but that's kind of where it is right now. I think what is very clear about this type of hardware now is all of these e commerce companies need to create better systems than the ones that they currently have um you know even a lottery would be better a lottery would be better but i mean you look at like you know apple seem to have it mostly down you know like you don't always get it but it's not an absolute nightmare to try you know um so i would like to see i would like to see honestly like a company like like a Shopify, just deal with this, you know? And, and, but anyway, someone needs to come in and fix this for a lot of these companies. But anyway, so the clarity on the console lineup, right? This is something I wanted to talk about. You look at Sony, you look at Microsoft and what they're offering because both companies are coming at you with two consoles, which is unprecedented uh, at launch, right? We've seen it in the past that there is very normal that a company will release a, a second version of a console later down the line, maybe a third version. But this has been, I think, pretty unprecedented that both companies for a new generation, I don't think this has ever happened before, right? So like we have two versions of our console for you. Um, Sony's offering is quite simple. They have one consideration, disc or no disc. That's it. Outside of that, the console is exactly the same. Microsoft have differences on internals and capabilities between the X and the S. And this is pro I mean, this is one of the reasons why. I mean, you can get a Series S for $250, which is a great price, right? But it's because they have differences in the CPU speed, the RAM amount, and the power of the GPU. So in a nutshell, the Series S will not run at 4K. It has a 1440p max resolution, and it does upscaling. But it will not run at native 4K. It also has a smaller SSD, 512 gigabytes, not a terabyte. So that's kind of like you need to know that going into it, right? That the Series S is a more cut-down version of the console than the digital PlayStation 5, right? The digital PlayStation 5 has no disadvantages from what it can output. The only disadvantage is whether you want discs or not. And for a lot of people, that's an advantage, not a disadvantage. Um, I think when we're talking about clarity as well, Microsoft's naming is so bad and so confusing, right? It's terrible. Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, they sound the same when you say them. Uh, and just like that, the whole naming around it, I think, is confusing. Especially when you start saying they've got like Game Pass, they have Game Pass All Access. 
Game Pass Ultimate. These are all different things, right? Oh, but All they, Pass and Ultimate are... Oh. Because oh. All Access, I think, all I access. think that's the one where you get the console, right? Oh, I have Ultimate then. Okay. And Ultimate is when you... But then there's also one, I think, that has PC gaming in it. And then they have xCloud, where xCloud isn't actually the name anymore. xCloud is a part of Ultimate. So oh, Microsoft's okay. naming stuff is messed up, but their marketing plan has been excellent for these consoles. You know, like they have made Sony look stupid at different points. They have done a great job of giving out piecemeal information um, and really like owning the, I think, that, I think Microsoft done a great job of like owning the space. Now, we can talk about in a minute as to what we think, that, that how that will end up resolving. Uh, but the, the business models as they stand really is Sony is sticking to what they have done, right? Sony is sticking to this is our plan. These are our consoles. We believe in gaming, 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 gaming. Uh, and we're going to keep moving on with our exclusives. Microsoft's plan is give us money monthly. We don't care how you do it. It's all we want, right? You can... Mm. You can either give us money just through going with Game Pass or go for all access, get the console. And the great like little soundbite, the little you know, the thing that people have been saying over and over again is if you go for the Series X or Series S on all access, which is where you pay for the console and get Game Pass monthly over two years, you actually save money than if you bought the console and bought the game pass and paid for over two year over two year period which is that is a fantastic deal and that i expect that there will be a lot of xbox consoles under the tree over the holidays for this exact reason right we're all getting used to paying things on a monthly basis now um for the i think for a lot of gamers and a lot of families it's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of kids making presentations to their parents about why getting them an xbox on a monthly contract is a good deal and I think it's smart for Microsoft. They've understood their position and they are putting something new into the market, which is genuinely interesting. And they're doing it at price points that are fascinating. Like a $250 console, brand new, playing all the new games. Just that on its own is super interesting. The last thing I want to touch on to bring us up to speed, and then we can, and I want you guys to tell me what you think of all of this. Microsoft are deciding the way that they will solve their lack of exclusives. They've been doing this. It's, oh, we're going to buy studios, right? We've been seeing this for a long time. Sony's been doing a little bit here and there, but Microsoft's been doing it. But they went big guns and they bought ZeniMax, who owned Bethesda, for $170 bajillion, basically. Uh, they spent an absolute ton of money. They now have the ability to pump Game Pass full of classic games and they have a horde of fantastic studios. This is not an immediate solve for them because there are still games that are coming out on PlayStation that these, these gaming studios will make. And I bet that they continue to do that as well. But there will be some games that will be exclusive to Microsoft, some that will be uh, on PlayStation, but also on Game Pass. I'm sure this is a thing that's going to be going forward. You know, like we can look at my, uh, Microsoft's stewardship of uh, Minecraft, I think is a good example um, of that. I do want to get, before we talk, go back to talking about the consoles, I want to get, uh, your opinions for the two of you on the Zenimax Bethesda thing specifically Federico what is your take on on Microsoft owning all of this I mean I think it's very smart right I think it's it's very exciting in the context of 
what kind of first party titles we're going to see maybe next year, maybe in the next couple of years. And I think they're gearing up to, I mean, strategically, right? I, I don't know the details, but it feels to me like they have been on this trajectory of we want to make sure that we can be in the same place where Sony is in terms of having a solid roster of first-party offerings, right? All these studios making games for um, for Xbox. And I think they have been adjusting over the past few years to have something comparable to PlayStation Studios, right? To have something comparable to to that kind of offering. And I think it's a, it's a... I think it's smart that in the meantime, they are investing on... I don't want to say filler content because that makes it sound bad, but things like Game Pass, things like backward compatibility, right? I think there are very strategic moves in the context of waiting for an actual catalog of first-party exclusives down the road. It's going to take time. Maybe we're going to see the first results in 2021, maybe even later. Uh, but I think they, like from the outside looking in, it does feel like that. It does feel like Sony, it does feel like Microsoft wants to be in the same position where Sony is, where they can have, you know, look at PlayStation, they have Uncharted, right? They have um, all these all these other exclusive, uh, Spider-Man. Uh, they have all this, con uh, The Last of Us, right? All this content coming to PlayStation and Microsoft must be thinking, we also want to have that message in addition to the cloud and, and the subscription and the backward compatibility and the fact that it works and almost looks like a PC, but we also want to have that. And in the meantime, they're not quite there. They're not ready. We don't have, like, if you think of what's, a, what's a, the first Xbox exclusive title that comes to mind? And for me, like, the only obvious answer that, like, in two seconds, it would be Halo. And Halo, the current Halo, looks trash so far, which is it why looks, it's been delayed. It's not coming out. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I, I feel like Microsoft wants to be in, in the same position where, off the top of my head, I can name five exclusives for Xbox. Yes. And right yeah. now, that's just not possible. And you had no problem doing that with Sony. Like, yeah. You know, like they have some like Forza is another one, but I don't know how much of that breaks outside because yeah. you can compare Forza and Gran Turismo, right? Like, you know, yeah. we, we have one of each. Um, Shahid, where where are you thinking like about Microsoft's uh, exclusives? Like, you know, we have been talking about Microsoft and their problem exclusives on this show for a long time, but it looks like they are doing everything they can to try and solve it for this generation, right? Yeah, and they've been preparing for years. They started snapping up studios long before yep. this generation's beginning. So it was very clear that their model was going to be very much um, a fill-the-content-pipe kind of model. So very much uh, subscription service-based and with the view that disc at some point is just going to go away. PlayStation also has had this approach. Mm -hmm. This is the way the world is going, let's face it. So if we're not moving to cloud immediately, and I don't think we are, it's still going to take some time. We've talked about the infrastructure obstacles many times on the show. But until those go away, the only way people are going to get regular content, given that games are going to be costing upwards of 70 quid, you know, which is eye-wateringly expensive... What are you going to do? You're going to spend 70 quid in a game or are you going to say, oh, you know what, 250 pounds for a Series S? Might not be 4K, doesn't matter, I haven't got a 4K TV, but I'll get Game Pass Ultimate and that means I'll have all of the first party stuff. 
I'll have all of the games that the new studios that Microsoft have acquired yep. are beginning to pump out. Maybe not for launch, but that's okay because during launch window, because Xbox seems to have the advantage in backwards compatibility, there's still this entire back catalogue of games I can play. So I get my new device, haven't spent a fortune for it, get a guaranteed supply to all of the new games coming up, which are going to be better on superior hardware. And okay, it's not quite the full experience, but for many people who don't yet have 4K TVs, that might just be the perfect place for them to be. Microsoft's challenge is going to be, or rather Xbox's challenge, because we keep saying Microsoft, Microsoft and Xbox, and Xbox is very independent. My guess is they're not going to be as independent as they like long-term. That will probably go away. But I would say long-term, mm-hmm. They're going to be entirely about content, which is, I think, another reason why the Series X doesn't try to make a statement. You know, it's not it's not really meant to be a showpiece in the way that PlayStation's device is. So as far as Microsoft are concerned, in terms of their their marketing congruence, that speaks volumes. That tells you we're Microsoft, we're Xbox. We're going to build an enormous catalogue of games. Don't worry about the box. We'll take care of that. You put it where you like. Our focus is on delivery. And it's not something that they've just hacked together, although it might sound like their their naming policy was hacked together. I think it was somewhat. It's unfortunate, but that will go away. You know, people just walk into yeah, a, just forget, a shop and go, that. just give me the yeah. new machine, you yeah. know? Just give me the new Xbox. That'll go away. And they'll, they'll be asked, which one are you going to get? The cheap one or the 4K one? Oh, I want the cheap one, 250 quid. That'll do. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. I mean, then then buying Bethesda, I don't think is as big a deal uh, as everyone's making out. I don't think an awful lot will change. It's just that they'll get access to, as you rightly say, a really strong back catalogue, and it will allow them to create variations in the same way that that they did with Minecraft. To be fair, all kinds of variations on on that game for as long as they want, and that has a lot of value. I saw a joke. I'm I'm gonna butcher it now, but like you get the sense of like Tim Sweeney really wanted to have uh, <laughs> Elder Scrolls Oblivion, right? You wanted to have Oblivion put on another. Was it was it Oblivion? Was that the one that's everywhere? Oblivion is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So like the idea that like Microsoft didn't want it on the Series S or Series X, so we decided to like sell the entire company to them as to way to make sure that Oblivion could make its way to another uh, <laughs> to another console. Oblivion or Skyrim? Skyrim. Uh, Skyrim. Oh, God, I did Skyrim. like seven levels of getting that joke wrong. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's approaching. I mean, it's either going to be that game or GTA 5, right? I think GTA 5. Well, GTA also, like, 5 is coming to both, right? Like, it's, it, that's happening. Right. And I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, we make fun of it. I mean, GTA 5 came out on PS3 and Xbox 360, but GTA 5 Online is still actually going very strong. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Skyrim. Um, Skyrim's that, even on the Amazon Echo, funny. isn't it? In a way. Do you remember that? That was just like a stupid oh, thing they, they do, did at one they point. Oh, they do have that It's thing. everywhere. Yes, yes. Now I've completely yeah. ruined that joke. I think it's time for a break and then we can uh, finish talking about no, this stuff. We still get it. I think it's still funny. Ah, that, you, well, I mean, a bunch it, of tries to get there. <laughs> it turns from ha ha funny to like, huh. 
You know, that's kind of what I did to that joke. This episode of Remaster is brought to you by Teamistry, a podcast that tells the stories of teams who work together in new and unexpected ways to achieve remarkable things. Every episode of Teamistry tells a story, and in each story, you'll find practical lessons for your team and your business. On this show this season, they travel deep into the underwater caves of northern Thailand to discover how divers, medics, soldiers, and volunteers freed a group of trapped teenagers. I remember that story happening. Uh, They explain how a world-renowned watch company pitted their two factories against each other in an attempt to become the best watchmaker in the world. And you also find out how Iceland went from having one of its highest COVID-19 death rates in Scandinavia to an interesting example of how the virus can be dealt with. Um, you can discover stories that entertain, packed with business cases that you can actually use. Season two of Teamistry is out now. It's hosted by award-winning documentary filmmaker Gabriella Copperthwaite, the director of Blackfish. Uh, I got a sneak peek of season two of Teamistry. I listened to an episode about uh, this application called Wild Book. It helps conservators and researchers keep track of wild animals like zebras and whale sharks using AI analysis of, of imagery. So imagery gets poured into the system, they analyze it, and they're able to actually work out movement and migration patterns of different animals. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, and it's actually kind of interesting because even a project like this, which is absolutely massive undertaking, many people pulling in so much data they still have typical problems that you would have in a team of any size. How to manage that data, how to communicate effectively as a team, all of the stuff that we have to manage. So that even though the, the things that these companies, these individuals are working on seem, may seem so uh, wild compared to what you deal with on a daily basis, it's all the same kinds of problems. You can search for Teamistry anywhere that you listen to podcasts or find the link in the show notes. A thanks to Teamistry for their support of this show and Relay FM. I want to ask you both, Shahid, I want to start with you. Going into this generation, a couple of weeks before the consoles have been released, who do you think has the right strategy? I think they both have the right strategy. I think they're focusing on different customers. PlayStation seems to be doubling down on their core audience, which, let's face it, is enormous now. Yep. Uh, PlayStation 4... I would say won the the little battle as opposed to the bigger battle in terms of sales numbers uh, in the previous generation. Quite comfortably, I would say. If you talk about the really big battle, then the surprise hit was the Switch, of course. But that's not talking in absolute numbers, absolute revenue terms, software, taking the whole picture into account, services and so on. Because these companies are now not just box shifters and game shifters. They are digital platforms. They sell a ton of services. And ideally, they want their customers to subscribe to their services and stay there. So going into this generation, what do each of them have? PlayStation have an awful lot of people using PlayStation Plus those people are very likely to stay with PlayStation. I can't see why anyone with a PlayStation 4 would jump ship at this point. So if the purpose of the battle for Microsoft and Xbox was to win customers away from PlayStation, I don't think they will be successful in that. And here's why. So with Xbox, they have a twofold strategy. 
The first is in the customers already talked about, those people who aren't going to spend an absolute fortune, but who want something new for the holiday season. They can get um, not quite a next generation console because it isn't. It's a step up, but it's not a generation. It's like halfway. Right. So then get one of those, but then get that for a really, really good price. And they can then start getting the the new games and they can play the back catalogue. It's it's a good sell. I wouldn't say it's an outstanding sell. Tell you what, if you're a PlayStation 4 owner looking to buy the next PlayStation and you have some disposable income, you know, you love games, you like spending money on games, and let's face it, you're not spending as much money on games as, well, certainly your hardware as a PC owner, because PC owners will spend a lot of money on their on their hardware. You might want to buy one of the new Xbox machines and you might well get a Series S as your secondary machine to play with people um, who have got multiplayer games that are only on Xbox. Because let's face it, not everything is cross-play, right? That's not a very strong appeal to the PlayStation customer. Is the PlayStation 4 owner going to do the generational leap to the Series X? I don't think so. So going looking at it the other way, let's have a look at Microsoft. If you are uh, an Xbox One owner or an Xbox One X owner, are you going to switch to PS4? Sorry, PS5. Again, I'm not sure that you would, because if you stayed with them for the generation, that means so much you inertia. like their games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You like their games. You like their offering. You have a ton of content that you got through their subscription services, you're not necessarily going to jump ship because you're not going to get a massive technical advantage in doing so going either way. There's not that much difference between the two machines. Even if you look at things like the controllers or the availability of VR on the PlayStation, if you weren't interested in VR before, you're not just going to jump ship to PlayStation because you suddenly become interested in VR. That's just not going to happen. So the bigger challenge is for Microsoft because in terms of sales, in terms of customers, they've been behind PlayStation in the current soon-to-be-ending generation. I say soon-to-be-ending. Remember, these generations continue for three years after the start of the new generation. So PS4 and Xbox One are not going to go away. They're going to be around for a while. There's still going to be games on those platforms. But I suspect that because of the lock-in of services, there'll be very little crossover from one to the other. This has been a play-it-safe round for both of them. PlayStation didn't want to do anything too risky this time round. You know, PlayStation 4 wasn't too risky either, but it was it was a, a last-ditch attempt to save not just PlayStation, but Sony. And we know that worked out really well. So why rock the boat? They have not rocked the boat. They've come up with a device that a lot of people will want to buy. They've given it just enough style that will appeal to the PlayStation aficionados. And they have got an absolutely superb content offering. In terms of what's been shown so far, you know, this is arguable, debatable, and I will not necessarily stand on firm ground when I say this, but I would say PlayStation at the moment looks like it has a stronger launch window offering than Microsoft. Um, 
But I do think Microsoft has a really interesting yeah. hardware proposition. That twofold hardware proposition, that two steps, mm. yeah, I think is very interesting. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I don't think everyone will do this, but I'm, you know, my my blood bleeds blue, as everyone knows. It's not exactly so I'm, I'm going to be able to hide my loyalties. I will get a PS5. I will get the disc version. But you know what? I'm also going to get an Xbox, but I'm going to get a Series S. Because mm. why not? Yeah, this is what I have done. I I have pre-ordered a PlayStation and I have also pre-ordered a Series S. And I think there are going to be lots of gamers that do this because I just thought, well, I already do pay for Xbox Game Pass for games that I play on the PC. Mm. For $250, right? And Because I, I compare it to other technology purchases in my life or whatever, right? It's a quarter of an iPhone. <laughs> for $250, would I like to have something I could plug into a TV and I could sit down on a couch? and play some of these games. And I was like, yeah, all right then. And I genuinely think Microsoft had purposely created the, yeah, okay, I'll have one of those two console. I think that's what they have set out to make with this, and it's what they have done. Um, Federico, where are you standing on all this? Like, Do you have a thought on if there will even be a winner in this generation? And if so, <sighs> who that would be? Because I'm also echoing Shahid, where I actually think... No, there isn't. I don't think there is a winner or loser anymore. I think Sony will keep basically everyone that they've had. I don't think that they will grow or shrink too much more than we would expect them to in this. Like, I think, you know, they will. I don't think they'll get any more market share than they currently have got. They've got their market share. I think Microsoft had the ability to maybe gain a little, but they will add in. And I think they will add in consoles to people that are already in another camp with their two offerings. But what do you think? I'll be honest, I'm very confused. And -hmm. I think the whole situation is very confusing. Uh, I think from my perspective, the only clear message right now is from Nintendo. Because that's so simple, right? You have a Nintendo Switch and you have a bunch of great exclusive games. And so I've been trying to make a decision, like, do I want the PS5 or do I want the Series X? And by the way, uh, we didn't cover about, we didn't talk about my pre-order story because there's none, and okay. uh, which was a mistake. And in so I'm the only one of the two of us, of the three of us, sorry, that got anything on the way. Well, I thought, like, I haven't been, I haven't really been paying attention, right, to the specs and all the... the details that have come out, especially in the past month, because I was so busy writing the iOS review. But then I started catching up on the whole story for both PS5 and Xbox. And it just feels very confusing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. This, this, Especially these launch titles, like one of them, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, for example, launching two days before on Xbox, but then it's also coming to PS5. And, and it's the same deal for basically all the other games that are not exclusives, right? Um, on, PS4, on PS5, you have Spider-Man. And, and there's like even more confusing. What we're going to see now is different editions of the games. So, for example, if you get uh, the Spider-Man game in the Ultimate version, you also get the remastered Spider-Man for PS4 running on PS5. And then you have different settings for graphics. So I think it's a very confusing situation. And I think I know why. It's confusing for someone like me because both of these consoles are approaching PC-level territory. Uh, 
with all the options, with all the configurations, and especially on the Xbox side, with all these specs that you got to account for, also compounded by the fact that there's two versions of the same console. And so I look at the Nintendo Switch and I'm like, yeah, you little buddy, you are so clear in your message. Like, you are a single console and I go to the online store and I get a bunch of games and that's it. And I don't have to think about anything else. So, right now, the only thing I know is that my local video game store owner friend is going to try and get me a PS5 with the, the disc edition. But I also want to get a Series X because I'm so confused right now. I might as well just get both because I know I'm going to get an Xbox eventually. So I might as well try and get one now. However, I cannot buy one from GameStop or Amazon because everything is sold out. So I don't know what's going to happen. But broadly speaking, like besides my personal feelings on this, I just feel like, as always, it'll come down to the games. And I, I am very skeptical of the whole game streaming situation still. I just feel like it's very fascinating what Microsoft is doing. I just don't know how much that will resonate with regular people. Like this idea of subscribing and you get the console and you can also stream games, and everything is a subscription. Like, I still feel like, again, this is all based on personal anecdotes, but I just, I look at my friends, and my friends are pretty traditional gamers. Like, they go to a store, they go to GameStop, and they buy video games. And I'm not sure how much the idea of a subscription and game streaming will resonate with them, especially because they don't have a fiber connection. So, overall, I think Shahir is right. I think... Both of them are, they may be right at this very moment in late 2020. Both strategies feel compelling for different reasons. From my perspective, both of these consoles, they look and feel like PCs. I think Sony may have an advantage right now. The launch lineup, it seems clearer. And the fact that there's Spider-Man coming at launch... I think that plays in Sony's favor. And I think the console's design and the things they've done with the controller, for example, they feel more exciting from a gamer perspective, if you will. However, the all the things that Microsoft is, is doing with backward compatibility and game preservation, like upscaling older games to 4K and 60 frames per second, that is also very intriguing to me. So uh, I, I look, I know backwards compatibility is important to people. I get it. Like it must be because people talk about it so much. Personally, I don't, you don't care. care about it. I know. I know. <laughs> it's just... like I once I am done, it is so rare that I want to go back and play like, oh, I want to play this game from the previous console generation but that's the thing what if you're not done like for someone like me that i want to catch up on the halo series because i never played halo or gears 5 because i never played gears 5 on xbox one what if i'm actually never done with those games because i never played them to begin with and now i can and they look better on the series x i just feel like i know myself and i'm just not going to do it yeah, the idea of, yeah, let me start playing yeah. in 2020 an older game. I just like, I, I can't it. imagine myself doing Especially it. with so much new stuff coming out on a weekly basis. That's exactly it. I don't have the time to play all the new games I want to play, let alone the old games right. I want to play. And, and, that, and that's also, when I think about it, that's also my problem. Like, with so much content, and we 
talked about this before. With so much content coming out every single day, like there's a cool new game that the you know video game websites are talking about every single day. You gotta make a decision. You gotta be, especially if you're like like us, right? We have a family, we have a job. You gotta be extremely selective in the choices that you make in terms of where you are investing your time. And that is why ultimately for people like us, like we're not teenagers, we, we don't have like six hours to dedicate to video games on a daily basis. It comes down to the exclusives, which is why I think right now, Sony may have an advantage, but in 2021, if all those studio purchases from Microsoft come to fruition, I think the story could be, could be very different. It depends, right? It really does depend on what they're all able to, to churn out. I mean, the launch lineups for the two consoles, there is only one exclusive that I care about, and it's, it's the Spider-Man, uh, the Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I actually do want to replay the original Spider-Man game. I, I loved it. Yeah, me too. Um, and I'm me up too. for it. And then I'm going to play through all the new stuff too. That's the game that I'm most excited I about. I never finished it. <laughs> I never finished it. So I might as well pick it up again. The only other game that I'm really excited about coming out anytime soon is not even a, a next-gen title, which is Cyberpunk 2077. It's going to be yeah. on both the next-gen consoles. But it's just like it comes out like uh, I think a week after the consoles come out and it will be available on all of them. So like, you know, and this is, it has been, this is a particularly weird um, release because of the pandemic, right? Like it has pushed a lot of games. Like a lot of the games that we were talking about just a couple of months ago, shown off at the PlayStation and Microsoft showcases have all been pushed because understandably game studios are struggling to get, the game's ready so like we made a reference and joke about halo but that's one um what was that game that we all liked the look of which was um did you know uh, what i'm talking yes, about yes. like with the time it was delayed skipping it? and uh it was a it's actually owned and made by one of the um uh death loop death loop yeah so it's actually yep. one of the zenimax game studios yep. making that yep. and that's one of the ones that microsoft has said won't be affected um, and I honestly think like Microsoft are playing a good hand with that, where it's like they don't know how it's going to go, and if it ends up that Sony do have the much larger share, they're going to keep making games for PlayStation because they have to make money on the game studios that they bought. But it's super interesting. Am I alone in this feeling of like it kind of feels overwhelming a little? It kind of feels kind of confusing right now the the news cycle for this generation has been absolutely crippling to try and keep track of and maybe it's the fact that there's so much else going on that is right? part of it but no but also because the companies have been dishing out piece by piece it takes mm. a long time to get like to get all the information in like compare compare this cycle to actually it was the third anniversary a few days ago. The Nintendo Switch reveal. It was like, what, a 10-minute video and you knew everything you needed to know. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the console, here's what it does, here's Zelda, <laughs> basically. Yeah, but they the were in a play. very different situation then. You know? I know, I know. But see, like, I miss, I, I guess, in thinking about it, I miss that sense of clarity from an upcoming console. I don't have clarity on the whole situation right now. I mean, the things that we have to look forward to, faster load times. And that's exciting for both consoles. Yeah, for like not just the, it's both in-game and to load the game, right? So the transition right. should be better. Actual real 4K, 
actual actual yeah. 4K, 120 frames per second in some cases. Uh, ray tracing, overall graphical improvements. And I actually think for this next generation, we're going to have a landscape of really interesting, good competition between Sony and, and uh, Microsoft. I think we're going to see a bit, little bit more to and, to and throw from them where really Sony just dominated, right? Like it was a done deal very soon. And it's kind of interesting how a lot of the things that made stuff difficult for Microsoft the first time around has been done this time, but nobody cares. So like the idea of getting rid of the discs, this was something so, that Microsoft tried to do with the Xbox One. And it was one of the reasons that everybody hated them. But it's just the timing was wrong, right? Now, in this generation, people are more willing to let go of that. But there's a choice this time. But it's just kind of funny looking back and be like, that was one of the things that put a nail in Microsoft coffin for the Xbox One. But now it's like, well, now you can choose. And it's just like a funny thing to look back on, right? 